Hi, this is Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith with the National Police Association, and this is the NPA Report. I have with me a guest today who is a, uh, a fellow retired police officer, fellow Midwesterner, and, uh, and she's got gotten involved in something that is so necessary um, for today's law enforcement, and she has a lot of plans and a lot of things that I think um, not just police officers and police families need to know about, but um, our police supporters need to know about it as well. Shelly Jones, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So uh, you retired as, uh, as an assistant chief, but you, uh, you uh, didn't stay retired very long and you took on a new project through concerns of police survivors that uh, I think is really going to have an amazing impact on police families. Talk about what you do now. Well, I'm the executive director of Survivors of Blue Suicide. We, um, we basically do for the survivors of suicide that COPS does for line of duty deaths. We're a much smaller scale because we're just getting started, but we, um, we put on several events a year to help the families and coworkers of officers who die by suicide. Now, Concerns of Police Survivors, and we've had their executive director on the program before, um, they do something different than a lot of other organizations. They work with families of police officers who have uh, died in the line of duty. Um, and now we hear a lot more, I think we hear a lot more than when you and I were young police officers coming up about police suicide, which I think people are always surprised by that statistic that we die over two times uh, as often by our own hand as we do by felonious assaults. I mean, that just seems extraordinary, but it was something that certainly wasn't talked about when you and I were young police officers. Um, no. But now it's something that we're talking about. And, but what you guys are trying to do is help those left behind, which is just phenomenal. Because when you are a police family and your officers died in the line of duty, there are resources for you. But when you're the survivor of blue suicide, what happens to people whose loved one has committed suicide in the law enforcement profession? You know, why did we need an organization to help with that, Shelley? Well, it's like you said, the, the families of officers who die in the line of duty have a lot of benefits and a lot of resources to, available to them. Um, historically, the families of officers who die by suicide have had none. They've had very little um, support or, or resources available to them. Um, most of them do not get benefits. Um, occasionally, some will get worker comp benefits, but most of them don't get any benefits, and there's been nothing out there for them. For years, COPS has been trying to figure out how they can help the families of, of officers who die by suicide. They are grant-funded for line of duty, and COPS does not define what line of duty is. Um, and so they were trying to figure out how they could help these families, and... Uh, they did determined that they didn't have the capacity to literally triple in size. So I made a presentation to them in January of 2020 um, 
to on how we could help these families and they all voted to help start a separate uh, new organization modeled after cops to help these families and so that's how survivors of blue suicide was started was by the gracious hearts of concerns of police survivors and law enforcement united um, also um, participated in in helping this organization get started now shelly for our audience who is um are not involved in the law enforcement profession what is the difference between a line of duty death and either an off duty death, you know, where you die, you know, we might die of disease or a car accident or whatever, and then suicide. Why is that all um, have to be separated? A lot of it has to do with um, um, statutes and the way things are defined. Um, you know, Right now, uh, suicide is not considered line of duty. A lot of suicides are, are very much job related, but they're not identified as being line of duty. Um, and officers who die off duty, for example, in a car crash, um, there are not benefits available to these, these families. Um, line of duty death there becomes benefits. There's a lot of fundraisers, um, the, the PSOB benefit, uh, workers comp, all of those and there's a lot of resources available to the families and coworkers of officers who die in the line of duty. Historically, there has not been any for families who die by suicide. There's been a few organizations that try to help them, but our sole mission is to help those families. We're modeled after concerns of police survivors, so we didn't have to reinvent the wheel on how to help survivors. Um, you know, Survivors of Blue Suicide has two employees, Lori Putnam and I, and both of us previously worked for Concerns of Police Survivors. So we've taken the lessons learned from, from cops and we started this organization. And we have the backing of cops and we're housed out of the cops national office. So we're, we're basically a sister organization to them. But these families haven't had a, a lot. They've been left to flounder. You know, there's the stigma attached and a lot of families don't want it even mentioned on, uh, on how their officer died. But if we don't start talking about it, we're never gonna be able to prevent these. And fortunately, the law enforcement community has started to talk about it. IACP, the FOP, um, all the major law enforcement organizations are starting to look at officer wellness and they're, and they're trying to help get rid of the stigma because you can't help these folks if, if there's the stigma with the stigma the way it is, you know, they don't even want to admit publicly how their officer died. And so right. these agencies are actually starting um, and they have been for a few years now, I shouldn't say just starting because they have been for a few years and they're doing a great job. It's just, we have to get it expanded throughout the whole country and that's kind of part of why I come on, on shows and, and, and talk about it is so that the, the agencies know we are now here. We're here to help those families. If you have um, an officer who dies by suicide, reach out to us. Our only mission is to take care of those families and the coworkers. Well, and I, I gotta tell you, just from a personal level, um, I know, you know, I had several coworkers that committed suicide while I was on the job. 
And um, one of them, because I was on the honor guard, I was in charge of planning the funeral and there were no resources for that. And there was lots of um, discussion on even what kind of funeral you have for a fallen police officer who commits suicide. Do they get all the pomp and circumstance of a, a line of duty funeral? And, I, and I'm sure, you know, there's some people listening being, well, what difference does it make? It makes all the difference in the world to not just the family, but really, especially to those law enforcement coworkers who, you know, you want your colleague honored, but then there's also some confusion and anger about, uh, and even guilt about why did they commit suicide? Was there something we should have done? Was there something I could have done? You know, all those different things. Um, and so, uh, you know, do you guys have resources to help with all of that? Yes, we, 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 if an agency reaches out to us, we'll help them navigate that. One of the big things with the funerals, and I have heard horror stories about funerals where officers, um, they can't be buried in uniform. They don't uh, get an honorable funeral. Um, if officers want to go, they have to take vacation time to go to this officer's funeral to the opposite end of that spectrum to a full blown, um, basically line of duty death funeral. And you know, there's there's always that worry, and that if you glorify this, you might have more suicides. Okay, I have never heard of an officer taking their life because another officer received an honorable funeral. <clears throat> Funerals are for the families, and and to honor the service, you're you're honoring how that officer lived and their service and sacrifice to their community. You're not honoring how they died. It's like if somebody uh, dies of cancer, you're not honoring the fact they died of cancer, you're honoring the life that they lived. And so we very much recommend that you provide that honorable funeral for those families. And it helps the healing process and it helps the coworkers. They get a chance to honor that officer. They get a chance to say goodbye. And with suicides, it's like you said, there's so many questions. There's the survivor guilt. There is the, why would they do this? Why would they do this to their families? How could they do this to their families? What did I miss? Um, how, how could I have helped this? Or how could I have prevented this? And, and the thing is, you're, a lot of times you're never gonna know why. And that is one of the hardest things for the survivors of suicide is you don't always know why a lot of them just come out of the blue. They just have no idea that their officer was even suffering. And I've talked to several officers who have um, tried to take their own life. And they said, it's not that I wanted to die. I didn't want to hurt my family. I wasn't even thinking about things like that. I just needed the pain to stop. The pain was so great. I needed it to end. And so we completely recommend that that you give them that honorable funeral because it's 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 for the family and for the coworkers and for the community if we're trying to take the stigma away from it why are we trying to hide it yeah that's a great way to put it, it you know because we really have swept this under the rug um for far too long in this profession and i know one of the things that you guys are trying to do is 
um, have a place of honor for those officers who have taken their own lives. You know, we have the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Wall in yes. Washington, D.C., and uh, that is a place of honor and a place of healing for um, not, again, not just families, but for all of us in this profession. I mean, that is our wall. Um, but, you know, victims of suicide don't go on that wall. That's a strictly a line of duty death situation. Um, so you have something um, that you built to provide that place of honor, and you're you're going to uh, also have a conference, aren't you, for people to come, an event for people to come, meet each other, share their experiences. I mean, I just think it sounds amazing. Let's talk about that. Well, last year, um, we held our very first national conference memorial event in Blue Light Vigil. It was a very small event because we were just getting started. And COVID was out there, and so a lot of people didn't didn't want to travel. But we had to have that first one to get it started. Well, we revealed at this at this um, conference a granite wall. It's a movable granite wall, and it weighs 200 plus pounds, and it's not easily moved. And every time I have to take it somewhere, I, I panic that it's going to get damaged somehow. But we created this wall and we surprised them. And I got to tell you, those families were speechless. They were so honored because they actually got to etch and rub their officer's name onto a piece of paper, just like the line of duty death families do in Washington, D.C. We anticipate in the next few years to have a permanent home for this and create a memorial. And this, these slabs of granite that we currently have will be part of that memorial wall. And these names that are, are on that um, will be forever displayed. And these families, um, they need that. They need to know that their officer is not gonna be forgotten. It's just like a line of duty death. One of the survivor's biggest fear is that their officer is gonna be forgotten. And these families don't want their officer forgotten any more than, than anyone else does, you know? And so we're, this year we've moved it to Indianapolis. It's kind of more in the Midwest. It's cheaper. These families don't get the benefits that line of duty does. So we're trying to make it as cost effective as we can. And it's in a central location. And um, we're going to be in Indianapolis and we're going to have our wall. We'll be there. Um, and any, fam any family member who attends, their officer's name will be on that wall. We don't put all officers' names because some families don't want it known. There's the stigma that we talked about, mm -hmm. but they don't want their officers' names. So the only ones that we will put on the wall is when a family member comes. And we don't care if it was 50 years ago, if a family member comes and registers with us, we will we will put their officers' names on that wall. Now we, we verify that some of the facts of, of the case where they died, but um, we're playing catch up for, for 50 years. You know, when you go to the, the candlelight vigil, 
they're still adding names from the 1800s and, and onto their wall. And so we're going to be playing that catch up for a lot of years. And so we decided we just want to put the names. If a family member comes, we'll add that rather than try to um, figure out all, all the names that need to go on there. Because that's one of our biggest issues is notification. You know, when an officer dies in the line of duty, the whole world knows it. If somebody dies by suicide, most people don't even know it. And, and so, you know, we rely on agencies, we rely on cops chapters, we rely on um, FOP members to reach out to us to let us know. We rely on all these things. And um, we would hate to say this is all of the officers who die by suicide, but then we missed one. Right, How right. devastating, that would just be adding more trauma to that family. So we're honoring any officer whose family member attends the conference. So how do they reach out to you for possible inclusion on that wall? Survivorsofbluesuicide.org. Um, just go to our website and you can register. You can sign up with us. We also have Zoom sessions um, four times a month for survivors. Uh, we have a spouses, a parents, we're just trying to start an adult children. Um, and then we have a, a, anybody who wants to participate and we have educational sessions in that. So they can just sign up with us. We send them out that information and um, we'll get them the information about the conference. And they, the information about the conference, the memorial event and the blue light vigil is also on the website. Are you seeing, like, do you get to see firsthand some of the healing that your organization is creating? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm just to use the Zoom as as, um, as an example. You know, when we first started this, we had a, we've had multiple, but I'm just going to pick pick one person to give you an example. She literally cried almost through the entire Zoom session. Okay, so sad for her, you know. But today. Six months later, seven months later that she has been attending these Zoom sessions, she's actually laughing and she's actually smiling on these Zoom sessions. Now, are all of her, her, her is all of her grief and sadness gone? No, it's not. It, it will be a lifelong thing for her, but she's actually able to smile and laugh where she wasn't before. And We've also have put on a couple retreats. We've put on a parents, we put on a spouses, and we have a coworkers coming in April. If anybody wants to attend, it's sponsored by Motorola Solutions Foundation, the nonprofit side of Motorola. It's sponsored by them. Um, they can register with us still. The deadline date is passed, but we'll do everything we can to get them into it. Okay, um, and that's any coworker. But the faces that you see when they arrive at the retreats is so much different than the person you see leaving the retreat. We had one spouse who said, or, or one, I'm sorry, one parent who said, I feel like today is the first day of the rest of my life. Boy, that's gotta, that just has to feel. It is. So, so good. I, you know, and that's the thing, you have the concerns of police survivors model to mm -hmm. base this on and yep. uh, and they have been so incredibly successful. And uh, and much. I, you know, I believe what you're doing is saving lives uh, again and the lives of of the family members and the coworkers of, of our 
brothers and sisters. Shelly, tell us again where people can go to find out more information about the organization and learn how they can attend the conference. Survivors or survivorsofbluesuicide.org. And just, you can uh, get the information off of our website and they can just click on register for the conference. And um, it's, it's that easy. And, and we would be honored to honor their officer. Shelly Jones, thanks so much for spending time with us today. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. Enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later. Put the gun down! Put the gun down! Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.